This week, Jake got sick, but the enemy couldn't keep him down. Three days ago, I got sick, and this is how it works. Today is a day of victory, and here's why. Because if Jesus wants me to preach, I'm going to preach. If he takes out my voice and allows the enemy to steal my voice on Easter, we've got about a million other preachers that can step right up. Therefore, no matter what the enemy does, God's gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you're going to see me drinking throat coat uh, throughout this whole time. Um, uh, I've now done, let's see, we're on four right now, so, so we're going to go ahead and do another one after this, but I want you to sink in to today's message. Today's message is entitled The Ultimate Fighter, and today is a day of victory, and we're going to promote it as much as possible. Therefore, I don't want anyone leaving this place that is a believer in Jesus Christ, a child of God, not feeling confident and strong and bold and mighty because that's the message of Easter. The message of Easter is that our Jesus is victorious and he doesn't just let bullies do whatever they want. You are getting picked on whether you realize it or not. You're getting picked on by an enemy who's trying to rewrite history and trying to re-rack your reality to tell you that you are a loser. He's trying to tell you that you can be defeated. But if you are a child of God, the answer is that is a lie. It is not right. It is not acceptable. And one of my uh, guilty pleasures in life came to life as I was designing this message because I'm a fan of MMA fighting. Mixed martial arts fighting. (laughs) We got a couple that are like, yes! We We got some fighters in our church. And it's the kind of the more modern day boxing kind of concepts. So I watch a bunch of these different shows. And I have one particular show that I will not name uh, because you probably shouldn't be watching it. (laughs) Uh, And what they do is they take MMA fighters uh, into a cage and they invite people to submit stories of being bullied by other people, adults, that they'd been bullied through childhood or they're being bullied even now by people that think they're tougher than everybody else. And they submit it to the show and the show goes to the bully and contacts him and says, we will give you $10,000 if you can last two, two rounds with one of our fighters. The bully has to sign on for it and he agrees to it. And so he gets into the ring, while on the side of the ring, the victim gets to watch the bully get beat down. <laughs> now this, this matches two of my loves, right? <laughs> my love for justice and my love for the MMA fighting. And they match those two together, and he just gets destroyed. Now, he, at the end, the host has him apologize and any money that he doesn't win goes to the victim and he has to go over and apologize and talk to him about the things that he's done i want you to understand that what happened on the cross was a bloodbath and a bully got beat down a bully that has been trying to destroy people for millennia 
He knows he can't win, so what he does is try to inflict as much pain as possible. And as much as this story pertains to children, it's not for children. Because without the shedding of blood, there is not remission of sins, and it is nasty and ugly and mean. Because make no mistake, Satan's a bad guy. And I don't care what society has told you, what music has told you, what Hollywood has told you. He's bad through and through. He is the one that by leading the fall of mankind, he brings about cancer on our children. He is the one that torments us when we sleep. He's the one that waits for us to get sick and weak before he launches an all-out assault. Make no mistake, he is nasty to the core. But in the same way, on the opposite side of the spectrum, our Jesus is good. He's all good, all the time. And I don't care what society has told you about him. He is glorious and mighty and he loves you and he's willing to die that you might live. That is the Jesus we serve. So right there on the cross was not so much about two equals going head to head, but a mighty victor coming and shutting down a traitor. That's different. I don't pretend to understand everything about how God works. I don't pretend to understand the enemy through and through. I merely know this, and I put it as a fill in the blank on your sheet that you were handed at the front door. I want you to burn it into your mind. I want you to chew on it. I want you to believe it. I want you to own it. For next time when you are weak, that you might be strong. And that is this. There is no enemy that can stand in Christ's presence. There is no enemy that can stand in Christ's presence. He is the victor and he is the king of everything. Will you turn with me to John chapter 10 verse 10. John chapter 10 verse 10. If you don't have a Bible today, there should be one under the seat in front of you. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a rundown. Not everyone here knows about our Jesus. Not everyone here is familiar with the Bible. So I'm going to bring you up to speed in preparation for this message. I went through the gospel of Matthew line by line by line and examined what type of life Jesus lived here in the flesh as he walked among us. What type of tough life he was facing and how strong he was. Because what I will not allow in my presence is anybody to say that Jesus was merely a weak intellectual teacher. That is incorrect. It is a violation of his nature to say so. For our Jesus was the toughest man that ever walked this earth. He may have appeared meek. He may even have been guest weak. But he was strong. He was born on the run. Born where because a king knew that a new king was coming, didn't want any competition, he slaughtered hundreds of Hebrew baby boys. And there was bloodshed around Jesus' birth. On his eighth day, as he was brought to the temple to be circumcised, a man by the name of Simeon came out to prophesy over him and said, because of this little one, many would rise and fall in Israel, and he would be opposed, opposition to an eight-day-old. It was... Being misunderstood as a young teen, at 12 years old, he, he's found by his family 
in the temple talking about the things of his heavenly father and they didn't understand him as a matter of fact they didn't understand him the majority of his life even his brothers made fun of him about his public ministry because they didn't believe him to be who he was until after his death and resurrection even his mom who's heard all those prophecies thought him possibly mad he received little to no support he was guilty by association he hung out with weird psychotic god freaks like john the baptist there in a camel's hair coat and locusts hanging out of his mouth eating honey crazy talking about repentance and forgiveness that same john the baptist because he stood up for truth was beheaded and his head was put on a platter that was jesus's friend that was jesus's cousin and jesus consistently put himself out there to be with tax collectors and sinners so that people would question his reputation he was initiated by temptation the holy spirit led him out into the desert before he began his public ministry and for 40 days and 40 nights deprived of all creature comforts in a weakened state satan took his best swings and there jesus went toe-to-toe with the devil not for the first time, but for one of the first public times that we could see. But Jesus preached internal strength. While everyone else's society was talking about how you can be the best and it's all about you and you just need to be able to take the whole world by storm and it's a glorious time for you, Jesus preached denying oneself. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, he said. I promise you persecution. You do not allow your body to tell you what to do. You do not allow your, your drives and desires and passions to tell you who you are. You harness that. Whether it's anger, you submit it to me. Whether it's lust, you submit it to me. You do not allow your body to do whatever it wants. He taught us to turn the other cheek, which as I've preached many times, is a power move because it defies the very nature of the human. Human nature, when struck with an insult, is to fight or flight. It is neither. It is a God way. It is to stand and face your attacker who would dare to insult you and say, is that who you are? If it is, then do it again. Because I'm not going anywhere. Jesus taught about selflessness. About it being about the needy. And the hurting and not about ourselves he lived a life with no earthly castle when people wanted to follow him and they said so where's your ministry he said I'm a wanderer I don't have any place to lay my head you think I'm trying to build something huge for me I'm just passing through he was a demon hunter when he would get into any place that had demon possessed people in it they would begin to scream out Son of God, why have you come? Did you come to torture us before the appointed time? They know who he is. Why are we so confused? When will our theology rise up to the level of a demon to be able to suddenly believe that Jesus is who he said he is? They're scared out of their minds of him. Why are we so afraid of them? If our Jesus stands behind us, who then shall we fear? 
He went head to head with disease. No matter what kind of filth rocked a body, Jesus would touch a leper with no fear of consequence. Why? Because he's the king of that too. Jesus inaugurated controversy. He let his disciples eat on the Sabbath. He would heal on the Sabbath. He would talk to women in public as a rabbi. He would shout the seven woes to the Pharisees and scribes and pop religious leaders of the time in public session. Because public pressure held no sway over him. He rebuked death in those around him. From a little girl to Lazarus, four days in the tomb means nothing to the king of everything. He stood in the face of storms and told them to shut up while he walked on water. He discipled his betrayer Judas for three years and gave him everything that he gave his best friends so that by the time it was time for betraying, nobody even knew who it was. But the greatest work that he ever allowed us to see was his resurrection from the dead. His defeating of death and marching out of a sealed tomb on his own accord. That is what we celebrate here on Easter. John chapter 10 verse 10. Once again, if you haven't turned there, it's page 896. I'm going to read 10, 14, 15, 17, 18. It says this. Speaking of the bully, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Throughout the gospels. You see, Jesus tell his disciples time and time and time again that he was going to die and suffer. And like an expert marksman or a pool shark, he'd call his shots. He didn't want anyone to think it was slop. He didn't want anyone to think it was an accident. So he'd go, that one's going to beat me. That one's going to kill me. Those are going to bury me. And it went exactly according to plan. After laying out that he was walking to the cross, there was no change in ministry plan. That was the ministry plan. He was born to die. And when Peter tried to step in and get in his way and say, Jesus, man, you're killing morale. What are you doing? You can't say that. These guys are sensitive. (laughs) Jesus said, what's that, Satan? Are you opposing me? You know why I came. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to build a ministry? Is that what you're trying to do? Man, I'm almost out of here. What do you think this is about? I promised you only persecution and pain. I promise you that if you follow me, things aren't going to go well for you. Why are you so shocked? But Jesus rarely ever talked about his death. Without talking about his resurrection. It always ended with a high point. I will be beaten. I will be crucified. I will be buried. But I'm back. I will rise again. For no one can shut me down. I'm the king of all of this. He would say. And then he would speak of the son of man returning on the clouds. And he'd go, that's me. 
riding on the clouds, surrounded by angels, a mighty trumpet, sweeping in to save those that he loves. Oh yeah, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to punch Satan in the mouth again, and he's going to lay him out for a thousand years. He'll let him get up one more time, and then he'll take him out forever. We know the end of the story. We know how this is supposed to go. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Go to the right in your Bibles. It's still in the New Testament. It's page 984. 984, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. This is a beautiful synopsis that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Colossae. Lest we miss what happened on the cross, he recounts it for us in short form. He said, and you, meaning us, who were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside Nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let me tell you how powerful this is and how personal it is. Not only does it refer to your particular life, cleansing your sins, healing your iniquities, making you right with God, justifying beginning the process of sanctifying. Not only is he bringing victory into your life, but this stance right here has altered our perspective of everything. Let me give you a very simple example. Quick raise of hands. How many of you are currently wearing a cross anywhere on your body? Raise your hand. All right, a decent amount of you. Do you understand that you're wearing a torture device? What if Jesus was electrocuted? How's that going to look? That little chair's hanging off your ears. He's shot. You got a gun. Right? You're wearing a torture device where millions of people died brutal, asphyxiating deaths where they suffocated their final breath. Why then do we wear them? Because Jesus so significantly defeated death that he turned a torture device into a statement of victory. When we see the cross, we do not see pain. We see life. When we see the cross, we see it barren and empty because Jesus is gone and he's alive forevermore. We wear the cross. We see the cross because it doesn't mean the end. It means the beginning. That's why we wear it. That's how powerful it is. It has shaped your mind to be thinking something totally different. What the world sees is so weird. We see it so liberating. So what was, was it all the suffering that Jesus went through? Not a big deal because he came to die and he knew how it was going to go and he's just going to come back to life. No, remember he was fully God and fully man and he suffered greatly. If you remember the story of the garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
He was there in the garden stressing out to such a degree that he sweat great drops of blood on the ground. As he cried out before his father, what was he crying about? Was it because of the agony of being on a cross? No. Martyrs have done worse than that and marched in boldly and said not a word. They have been drawn and quartered, sawn in two, destroyed by fire. He was not worried about the agony of a physical death. But the schism of the Trinity. But the full wrath and force of the Father. That's different. Indeed, he was arrested, brought before the religious leaders of the time, the Sanhedrin. And they mocked him, spit in his face, slapped him. He was then brought before King Herod to perform like a circus monkey. When he didn't, he was beaten. He was scourged, beaten, and mocked by Roman soldiers as they whipped him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and crushed it down over his brow with a rod. He was not just denied by his friend Peter, but he was abandoned by every one of his friends, and he was alone. He was publicly berated as he carried the crossbeam of his torture device through the public streets. And he was crucified for our iniquity, stretched out with a raw back from whipping onto a rugged, splintery piece of wood. And there he died and was crushed by the Father with all the force of heaven. He was all in. And he was buried in a tomb and it was sealed. He never got off the cross. He never shirked back. He took it that we might never have to. But then, like Lyle said, like the movie Rocky, here he comes off the ropes. The enemy was jumping up and down with victory. But here comes Jesus, smiling, happy, joyful, glowing, victorious, mighty, right? Here he comes walking out. What does that all mean for us? It means this. If you are a child of God, fear not. It means you have nothing to worry about. Why? Because this world's got nothing on you. Do not fear public pressure. Why? Because they don't know what they're talking about. Do not fear religious leaders that would try to shape you into a cookie cutter mold about this is how you have to be. You love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love your neighbors yourself and you roll from there. You follow God's word. You do what he says. You do not allow subculture to bend you into some type of Pharisee. And you make sure that you do not fear what mankind can do to you because they can't do anything but move you closer to Christ. How do we know that? If you live, it's for his glory. If you die, you're closer to him. That's all they can do is help you out. Listen, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if they're against us, what do we care? God is our shield. And Jesus said these words. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I ask you this question. 
Is he your king of everything? Because there are some of us in this room today that you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't have the victory. You don't see how Jesus has cleansed you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you more than anything. I'm here to tell you that every bit of that story I just shared is for you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus would die if you were the only person in the world and I didn't even exist. And I need you to know that you cannot leave this Easter without meeting my Jesus. Because he is the most beautiful, amazing, strong, and powerful person that has ever been. I don't know how to live without him. I don't know how you're living without him right now. That doesn't even make sense to me. You need Jesus just like I need Jesus. So we have this prayer sign up to the right-hand side of our sanctuary. After this service, you want to meet my Jesus? I got people that know all about him. And they're going to be hanging out up there. I want you to go meet him. Because you cannot allow his victory not to be yours. I do know that. As Jesus was leaving his friends, the disciples, being victorious by rising from the grave, before he went to ascend to the right hand of the Father, he looked at his disciples and says, you guys do realize I have all authority, right? You do realize I'm kind of a big deal. Yes, Lord. Then go in my name. Go in my authority. Start writing checks that I can cash. Start speaking in my name, being my ambassador, being my emissary. Tell them my story. Tell everyone my story. And if any would oppose you, know this. Nothing will ever happen to you except that which allows me to be glorified. I will allow certain things to happen and other things I won't. But make no mistake, I'm in charge. Therefore, go out in boldness. Go out in strength. Go out in power. Because I've got your back. And they went. He said, I don't want you to think this is going to be a cakewalk. I'm not going to smooth the way for you. I'm going to be right with you in the thick of the war. Therefore, I promise you persecution and pain and difficulty. Why? Because if they hated me, wow, they're really going to hate you. But do not worry. I've overcome the world. And I'm running the show. And so we watch throughout history, martyr after martyr after martyr, walk with confidence and strength to their very deaths knowing that there is a greater resurrection for them. May we be those type of people. Since Jesus is victorious, he has purchased freedom for us. Let us walk in that freedom. For one of his most powerful lines was this, For on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, the glorious risen Savior. Holy Spirit, have your way in our midst. Have your way in our lives. Save us from ourselves. Save us from the world. And demonstrate to us, Jesus, what a life sold out looks like. For Jesus, you went all the way to the cross. You went all the way to the tomb. And you went all the way back up to heaven. May your victory mean much to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday, and we'll see you next week.